Anchor has always allowed me to become an original by creating a podcast right from my home. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a whole podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello, welcome back to Open Years Podcast. I'm your host, Des. Today, I have Mr. Antoine Wilson here joining me. Uh, He is going to discuss his experiences his goals, his plans, and what his book, Wanted Dead or Alive, is about. Um, I do want to let you guys know it'll be available on Amazon February 10th, next Monday. You guys also can locate him through social media platform as well as his email, Wilson Book at Facebook, WilsonBook90 at gmail.com, and Instagram at Wilson underscore book underscore. How are you, sir? How are you? Oh, I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for bringing me to the show tonight. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to be in here. Please bear with me, guys. I know I can be a bit more enthusiastic. It's just extremely late while we're recording this. And um, this won't be published for about another couple of days. Um, I want to wait until his book is officially available to actually have you guys hear this. So this recording is done prior, so a week before the publishing day of the book. Mr. Antoine, can you please explain to the listeners, as well as myself listening, um, what inspired you to write the book? Uh, yes, um, a lot of things inspired me to actually write this book. A few a few. Uh, great pointers that I'm going to give to you and the audience well some of the main reasons I wrote the book is to actually help other females and guys that's incarcerated that's in the same situation that I'm in such as you know actually fighting trying to get their freedom back you know so I told you know people inside of this book about a lot of things I went through such as you know hiring different attorneys losing out on money and you know, filing different petitions and motions in the courthouse that's constantly been denied over the years. So, you know, I want to try to help somebody else so they won't actually go through some of the same mistakes that I made. So I want to teach somebody, you know, show them, you know, it's better for you to learn the law yourself by going to the law library, you know, sitting down, taking your time, you know, learning your case. Can't nobody learn your case better than you can learn it yourself. So, you know, actually learning your case, finding loopholes in your case to you know, they can, they can actually, you know, get you back in court. You know, find some new evidence in your case or find some type of nice loophole. You know, that's what I mean by loophole. Find some nice, strong evidence in your case that you can maybe present to a lawyer or if you can't afford an attorney, you know, maybe file a petition or something yourself that can actually get you back in court. So, you know, my book actually talk about, you know, a lot of things related to those issues. And also my book talk about... Uh, you know the prison system in Alabama, maximum security prison system, because 
since 2012. That's why I actually been serving time and I've been in the maximum security prison such as St. Clair Correctional Facility and things of that nature. So I want to kind of open up a lot of people's eyes out there and show them, you know, prison is, is not all safe. It's not really safe. You know, a lot of people think, though, oh, you know, my family members in prison, you know, they're doing great and, you know, they're good. And, you know, that's not always true. Even though prison do supposed to be to rehabilitate, you know, a lot of, you know, females or guys, but that's not always the situation because, you know, there's drugs floating around. They may sometimes get raped or abused and maybe even get stabbed or killed. So, you know, inside of this book, you know, I'm actually exposing the truth about what's really taking place inside of these corrupt prison systems in the state of Alabama. Mm, I can't wait to get the opportunity to read this book. It's going to be interesting. I'm just excited about it. And I wish it had already been released. That way I would have been able to have a little bit more uh, insight for myself and, you know, be able to ask you specific questions in relation to the book. Now, um, can you let us know what events to follow you know I know you said it's going to cover certain things rape the corruption of the jail system the corruption of the Alabama jail system is there anything that's really going to have us you know flipping the page some excitement yeah, so I believe, you know, from the first page to the last page, you I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a book you ain't going to be able to sit down because, you know, I got a lot of action in here. I got some, you know, I got, I got some funny scenes, you know, but, you know, I'm all I'm all around writer, you know. I can do it all. I'm, I'm very good with my writing So skills. how has your experiences been since you've been on the inside? Well, um, just to be honest, it's a day-to-day struggle being incarcerated in a maximum security prison. And the reason I say it's a day-to-day struggle because, you know, by me being a grown man and having to wake up and basically move on a correction officer's time, you know, take a shower when he say take a shower. You know, I had to eat the food that they serve me. Sometimes I don't like it, so sometimes I might have to pass up different trays or food items that I don't want so it's it's a day-to-day struggle not being able to be free whenever you you know you're locked down and chained down and walking around in shackles you know it kind of it, it kind of reminds me of the slavery days you know I hate to bring it up in this situation but you know being incarcerated is not never a good thing unless I guess you know you deserve to be there which I don't wish that on nobody, but, you know, being incarcerated is not for somebody that's innocent. Like, I've strongly been expressing since day one. I'm falsely identified and I'm falsely accused of the first-degree robbery and the theft of property that I'm in prison for. And I know you mentioned uh, to me numerous times that 
you're filing the petition that it's a process and it's like a three part phase because sometimes if you file file 32 rule 32 it may uh, be denied and um things of that nature but can you explain to everyone because you do have the knowledge and the literature behind it i really don't know much about it i know you and i as i mentioned have talked behind the scenes but um can you go into depth of what the rule 32 entails yes um a rule 32 petition um is actually somebody post eviction remedies uh you can file it in your circuit court like say if you've been a trial and you'd have been found guilty and you have found appeals and you know your appeals have been denied and you know you you looking for different things that'll get you back in court you can find what they call a rule 32 petition that's what it's called in the state of alabama different states might have you know different names or something for it but uh, alabama is called a rule 32 petition they fall up on the a lot of different grounds uh well you know mainly when i found a rule 32 i followed up on the newly newly discovered evidence and i basically bring forth that new evidence what i was talking about earlier loopholes you find a, a nice strong loophole in your case and there's some good evidence that'll prove your innocence or that'll get you back in court you can file that rule 32 petition follow up on the newly discovered evidence so you know that's what i've been doing for years and the evidence that I have been presenting proving my innocence that I actually proved my innocence the district attorney office and the judges in Jefferson County which is uh, Birmingham, Alabama they actually been overlooking and denying my petition back to back to back and uh, I have some good strong evidence such as the suspect on my case have actually came forth and wrote an affidavit saying he the person that committed the crime and also the the suspect biological sister that came forth and she wrote an affidavit saying that she remembered the night and she witnessed the night that her brother committed the crime and she remembered her brother showing her different identification cards and purse purse or whatever in the wallet that was taken from the victims on the night of question so you know I got strong evidence it's just for some reason you know my courthouse is trying to overlook and keep this type of evidence as a secret so you know is there anything it is different tied to this falsely identified and uh, you know falsely uh, misguided crime because I know you didn't do it you said the suspect wrote an affidavit and a biological sister basically stated that she witnessed the incident or witnessed it you know it happened in the same the identification because is there anything else that led up to this for you to be fighting the rule 32 time after time after time and constantly be um denied each time is there anything linked to it um is there anything that they were able to dig deep and pin you to besides this or with this for it to be such um a hard dissatisfaction you know you constantly write filing 32 rule 32 constantly well um you know like i was saying you know you can file rule 32s 
you know, as much as you like, you know, it ain't no guarantee that that's going to get you back in court. And, um, you know, once the rule 32, because I know you asked me earlier, you know, once it, it is a father process you can take, once the rule 32 is denied, you can actually appeal that rule 32 to the Alabama Court of Criminal Appeals and to the Supreme Court. And you can even file a habeas corpus in a federal court. So, you know, it, it's different levels to it. And, you know, you can take it to a higher court and hopefully get some justice served on your case. But, you know, you know, rule 32 is not for everybody. You know, it just depends on how your case is. Different cases, different situations. You know, everybody's case ain't the same. That's why I said it's best for an inmate to go to a law library and learn that case as much as possible. Or, you know, if you don't feel like, you know, you can focus enough to actually learn, the, you know, the rules of the court, you know, maybe you can find a good attorney, you know, that's, that's really good and they can actually look over your case and find nice loopholes and, you know, get you back in court. So what other loopholes do you think are there in this situation with this, you know, um, crime? What, what crime or what charges did they give you? Okay, I'm charged with a first-degree theft of property, which was a purse snatching, and I'm charged with a first-degree robbery, which uh, two guys' wallet or something was stolen, their wallet, phone, or something of that nature. Um, okay, I remember uh, when I was going through trial, the victim, her name is Pamela Tab. She got a purse snatch or whatever, and she said she remember she was coming home for, from a party, and she had been drinking a little and she remember a blue box shaped Chevrolet Caprice was following her home and you know she said she kind of lost focus and she she don't know if the car was actually following her anymore but by the time she got up to her doorstep and was going inside of the house you know somebody snatched her purse and you know she said she panicked and started screaming or whatever and they took her running and she said she remember she looked in the guy's face and he had on a colorful baseball cap and a dark long sleeve t-shirt or whatever a dark long sleeve shirt so moments later after her purse or whatever was snatched her credit card was used at a convenience store at a service station um so a detective by the name of cedric thomas who was actually over my case he used to actually work in the robbery division back then but he actually went to that service station. Around, uh, he actually got the video surveillance and he actually looked at the tape. And the same suspect she described that snatched her purse, you know, that had on his colorful baseball cap and his long sleeve shirt, dark color shirt, is actually on video surveillance. Okay, so, and also she, uh, the vehicle, the vehicle she said followed her home is also on video surveillance out at the gas pump sitting out at the service station the driver door is open on the vehicle and you know it's only just one suspect shown getting out of this vehicle which is the guy with the colorful baseball cap and a long sleeve shirt and you said that the suspect had used your vehicle right yes i actually uh let my friend at the time borrow my vehicle because i had maybe two or three cars at the time vehicle wasn't in my name it was my vehicle i actually let him borrow my vehicle because he didn't have transportation me i mean i was actually 
that he was committing crimes and now you know robbing stealing whatever he was doing and um so i think you know the crime happened after he you know went to be solid and just later my car was shown on crime stop for like a, two weeks and my car was shown every morning on crime stop which i didn't know you know i was still out you know living my everyday life looking for a job and you know actually uh putting different applications in at different temp services um so i actually got pulled over like maybe three weeks later i was out in a apartment complex on the east side of birmingham by the name of gate city projects uh you know i was pulled over by officers and officers asked me you know was it my vehicle i said yes this is my vehicle they asked can they search the vehicle I said, sure, you can search the vehicle. I said, what's going on? They said, well, we got you involved with different robberies and your car is on Crime Stopper. We've been looking for this vehicle. I said, well, I'm confused. I mean, you know, because I haven't robbed nobody. I haven't, you know, took nobody belongings or nothing of, of that nature. So, you know, they actually searched my vehicle. It, it wasn't nothing in my vehicle. Uh, it was just a great, a great sweater laying on my passenger uh, seat, which had been in there for like maybe weeks, ever since I had let my friend use my vehicle. And, um, they took me downtown Birmingham to the Birmingham headquarters for questioning. And a detective by the name of Cedric Thomas, he was actually the head detective over 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 the Robert over the robbery division at that time. He said, "So, Mr. Wilson, um, I have you on video surveillance using these people credit card right after the crimes occurred or whatever." I said, there's no way possible you got me on video surveillance using nobody's credit card or whatever you're talking about. So he said, well, let me show you what I'm talking about. So he pulled out these photo shots, video surveillance, and it actually showed our friend. I said, that's not me. And he said, well, it kind of looked like I said, no, that's not me at all. So he said, well, what's this guy's name? I said, his name is D. He said, well, what is just from an old whatever rolled up in can you give me a number can you give me a, I said I don't just know the guy address by heart but I can give you a location and um he said okay well if you didn't do it we're gonna just send you to the city we're gonna just send you to the city jail right now and put you on a 48 hour investigation hold and try to and try to build enough evidence on you to charge you he said, if we don't build enough evidence on you, the city jail will release you within 48 hours. I said, okay. Okay. And the guy, Cedric Thomas, uh, Detective Cedric Thomas, he got up and left out of the interrogation room. He left me in there. I was handcuffed to the front. And um, I remember sitting there maybe 25, 30 minutes waiting on him to come back. And I had to actually urinate real bad. So I got up from my chair. I walked to the door and I opened the door, but I stuck my head out the door. I said, hey, excuse me, uh, Cedric Thomas. Uh, and I actually seen him over there sitting behind like the cubicles at his desk or whatever. I said, hey, excuse me, sir. I need to use the restroom. And I remember when I looked to my right side, I remember seeing this black lady and these two white guys or whatever sitting at the table in the hallway. So, you know, the detective jumped up from his cubicle and from his desk he said hey get back in that room get back in that room 
you're not allowed to come out of the room get back in there and then i noticed he was kind of like panicking when he said it. he rushed over and told me to get back in the room but i you know at that at, at that time and at that moment i didn't really figure out or really know what what the big deal was on why he was trying to you know get me back in that room but i put two and two together like maybe like months later when it was time for me to go to trial i remember seeing that same african-american lady and those two caucasian males in my trial i remember seeing them and those were actually the victims so basically the victims didn't supposed to see me before i was actually circled out of a photo lineup or before i was actually put in a, a live lineup or even you know before you know they was never supposed to see me you know because i was never charged with a crime or anything of that nature and so they was actually you know they actually seen me before i was circling out of a photo lineup and before i was charged so you know that actually violated a lot of my rights and i brought that up to my attorney attention at the time i had a court appointed a court appointed attorney his name his name was donald coley and i brought that up to his attention right before trial and he actually said something to the district attorney and the detective Cedric Thomas and he actually asked the victim why the victim was on stand he, I remember he asked the victim by the name of the tab he asked her he said uh, by any chance do you remember seeing my client at all when you was at the Birmingham headquarters do you remember even seeing him coming out of the interrogation room or do you even remember seeing him you know, she actually lied and was like, no, I don't remember seeing them. And, and he actually asked those, the other two guys, the other two victims, he actually asked them, do they remember seeing me? You know, and they said, no. So, you know, I'm pretty sure the detective, Cedric Thomas, you know, actually forced the witnesses, you know, to lie. Because, you know, it, it's very simple and it's not hard to see that the guy on video surveillance is not me you know that's not hard to see at all you know that's very very simple she said the suspect that took her belongings had on a colorful baseball cap and a long sleeve shirt this guy is on video surveillance with the same clothes on that she described the suspect had had on so still to this day you know i refuse to give up and i'm very confused on why is it so hard to get back in court to prove your innocence if you have strong ev- if you have strong evidence to prove your innocence like in my case and not only that like I, like I mentioned earlier the suspect have wrote an affidavit on my behalf admitting to committing crimes and you know saying inside of the affidavit he, he actually admitted to having my vehicle on the night the crimes occurred and also the suspect biological sister wrote an affidavit saying that she witnessed the night her brother was driving the vehicle and she witnessed her brother coming inside of the house wearing a gray hoodie which a gray hoodie uh, the two guys that got robbed they said the suspect had on a gray hoodie she said she witnessed her brother coming in the house with a gray hoodie on that night and she witnessed her brother showing her different identification cards and asking her do she know how to use credit cards and can she get money off of them off of the credit cards and she and she said she replied by telling him no so you know i actually have these affidavits and i have 
filed these affidavits and signed a different Rule 32 petitions upon a newly discovered evidence, actual innocence, and still the courthouse denied this type of evidence. Question. So, question. No lie detector tests were taken. Nobody interrogated or had this guy come downtown to to the courts or, or anything. No one um, did any, you know, new day and age uh, high technology type of research to say, okay, let's zoom in on this guy and his cameras and compare the picture to the lineup of suspects, possible suspects, and say, oh, dang, this guy is the guy named D. He's from, you know, Alabama, from this neighborhood, and oh, that's him. You know, nobody asked him any questions after writing the affidavit. So, is there any way that you are able to basically stamp that he wrote an affidavit? His sister uh, spoke on your behalf, I'm going to say, because she's speaking against her brother. Is there any way you know for sure it's official documentation that he wrote an affidavit that it was scooped under the rug, as you called it earlier, loopholes in this case? And I believe you 100%. And so I'm just trying to ask the questions that other people are thinking. Like I said to you earlier, how did the detective just catch you on the street? I think you said you had a modified job or that you were writing, um, um, excuse me, looking for jobs and file, filling out applications that day. How is it that you were, were you in your vehicle that they saw on surveillance? Like, how did they approach you? Well, like I said, um, on this particular day, I think it was uh, February the 2nd, I want to say. I'm not for sure. No, I think it was March the 2nd. 2012 um, I was actually out in Gate City Projects uh, on the east side of town in Birmingham, Alabama and uh, one of my homeboys actually uh, uh, told me to pull over and uh, he had just bought some new speakers and you know TVs and system or whatever for his car and you know that's what I do I actually you know I've been working on cars all my life I'm pretty good with my hands and you know electronics and things of that nature so I was not, I was actually out there for a moment, you know, making me a few dollars. Yes, I think he actually paid me like eight dollars. So I was hooking up his sound system. I was putting TVs in his car, and I was putting his new CD player in it. And at the time, I was actually like halfway inside of his trunk, and the officers pulled up on me. You know, that's when I take you back to that situation. The officers pulled back, uh, pulled up on me, saying, "Hey, is this your vehicle?" I'm like, "Yes." You know, that's when they asked, "Can they search the vehicle?" And they were telling me they had me involved with some robberies. And they had to take me downtown to the Birmingham headquarters for questioning, you know, which I was fine with all that because I was confused. I just automatically knew one thing, you know, I didn't do nothing. So now I remember I was thinking everything was okay. Okay, so I know you mentioned your your um, attorney that was helping you in the case, and the attorney said to the lady, Miss Pamela, and to the jury, to the courts, that you know, why is my client being charged for these petty crimes and my client if the lady is not 100% sure that my client is 
the suspect who snatched her purse or her wallet, you know, that night. Um, how do you explain that? Okay, yes, like I was uh, telling you behind the scenes, uh, when I was actually going through my trial, the victim, Pamela Tab, uh, which her purse got snatched, she got on the um, on the stand and my attorney asked her, he said, ma'am, are you 100% positive that my client is the person that victimized you and that took your purse and whatever? And she was like, no, I'm not 100% positive. I'm not 100% positive that this is the guy that took my purse. He said, well, ma'am, I want to, you know, say it's safe to say that, um, if you testifying against this guy and this guy actually could be going to prison for the rest of his life, I mean, don't you think it's safe to say that if you're not 100% positive, I mean, that's not a good thing. She was like, well, I think if it was dark and, and if that person went up on a hoodie and things of that nature. So she had a lot of doubt in her mind. She couldn't even really say yes or no if I was the person I actually robbed her. So, you know, I'm very confused still to this day how I got found guilty. And, you know, I remember the district attorney, which they do this in a lot of robbery cases and things of that nature. I remember the district attorney, he asked her, he said, well, ma'am, can you identify the person in this courtroom that took your purse, or that, you know, that snatched your purse from you? And she pointed at me, you know, I'm the only guy sitting in the courtroom. I'm sitting in the middle of the courtroom at the table with my attorney. She pointed at me and she said, yes, that's the guy. He's sitting at the table right there. That's the guy that took my purse. So I'm like, you know, that was kind of confusing. You know, maybe if they would have had me in the actual real suspect in the courtroom, it would actually be. Now, different. were you and this suspect really close friends? This person named D. I remember you mentioned he was like your homeboy. His sister is actually, uh, I I have a child by his sister. So, you know, me and him, you know, we we talk and, you know, we could friends. We used to be at that time, but I haven't heard from him really since he committed these crimes. But yes, I have. So, how long has it been um, since you've been away? How old are you by any chance? How old? I'm actually 29 years of age. I've been incarcerated now, falsely accused of this crime since 2012. And do you get to change attorneys when you have a caseload that's like um, for whatever the sentence period is, or does the city give you different attorneys each time to represent you? No, it's just whenever you go to trial and you can't afford an attorney, they'll give you a court-appointed attorney. If you can hire an attorney or retain one, you know, that's when you can actually get a different attorney. But, you know, before trial and things of that nature, the court will basically just appoint you an attorney. Because I know you mentioned earlier or, you know, behind the scenes that you have spent over 20000 in trying to get lawyers to help you, you know, with the different types of rules. 32 petitions and that was just really my whole reason for asking like is it one specific person who's handling it but you know 
you saying is it one specific person that what? I didn't quite catch the question. I remember you saying that you had paid a new a great amount of money and investing in different lawyers uh, to get the assistance with the different Rule Thirty Two petition. Well, yes, um, I, I have actually had uh, different attorneys over the years, you know, filing different Rule 32s and motions and trying to get new trials. And, you know, like I was explaining and like I was telling you, it's good for a lot of different inmates to read my book because, you know, you can actually be wasting up thousands and thousands of dollars, you know, by hiring all these different attorneys and a lot of this paperwork that they're filing, you can actually file it yourself. You know which ain't too hard to find so yeah i have actually found numerous attorneys over the years and you know i'm just trying to actually help a lot of other people so they won't make some of the bad decisions i made in life and the book that's titled wanted dead or alive antoine wilson like i said it will be available on amazon by february the 10th and my facebook my facebook name is wilson book and my Instagram is Wilson underscore book underscore. And my email will be WilsonBook90 at gmail.com. All right. Thank you so much, Mr. Antoine Wilson, for being able to join me on my platform. You guys can check me out at OpenYourEars.com, my website. I'm also available now on Instagram. I did not mention that in the intro, but I'm also available at Open Your Ears via Instagram. Come follow me. I'm a little new, so I don't have that many followers on Instagram as of yet. And please feel free to check me out at Anchor FM, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Spotify, you know, and wherever else you guys want to check me out. Go ahead and Google me. Do whatever you is necessary. And if you all want to send any feedback, send me a voice message via Anchor, or you can send me a message on my website, openyears.com, and I'll be sure to get a message through my email to re- to try to connect with you guys. Thank you so much again, Mr. Antoine Wilson, for finally being able to uh, meet and greet and really have a conversation and i'm hoping that everyone will go out and help support you in your new book yes thank you and it was a pleasure being here once again that book is titled wanted wanted dead or alive antoine wilson and it will be available on amazon um, and other sites uh, by february the 10th 